and welcome to episode 12 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to the children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Now this week, I am again joined by my friend Eva from Connecticut. Uh, she's coming here to us from across the across the country, across the continent, actually, uh, to talk about something that we've all experienced here, usually during our summer vacation. We're going to talk about National Lampoon's Vacation this week. Woohoo! Yes, I I, I <laughs> love this film. I mean, this coming straight from 1983. I remember seeing this with my parents in the theaters. I and, think I did too. I you know. Think I did too. They they drugged me to see it, and I was kind of like, oh, God, you know, whatever. And then after it came out on video, and this was like, you know, VHS, oh, and yeah. they had Video Library out here, and that was the, that was the predecessor to Blockbuster, mm-hmm. uh, Blockbuster Video. And they had – I remember them – I remember my parents renting a VCR from Video Library so that they could <laughs> watch the VC – they could watch Vacation. Oh, wow. That's so, so neat. I remember you remember that because we were you – know, yeah, we were, what, five or six when this came out? So that's neat. I remember yeah. seeing it with my parents, too, in the theater. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, it, it, it's just one of these great films, and it's it's kind of oh, like, totally. you know, the whole, the whole thing is basically just, it's the horror stories of road trips, basically. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I, you know, it's just, it's one of those movies that I can watch over and over and over again, and I just, I love it. I don't get tired of it at all. I've probably seen it twice a year since I was six years old and it's just, it it cracks me up every time. You know, this, and this movie really was the kickoff for everything national lampoons in a sense. I mean, you know, absolutely. you know, they, they have, you know, all the national lampoons, vacation movies, the uh, dorm days, the, all that crap, you know, this Mm -hmm. is, this is kind of like the, this is the American pie of the 1980s, you know, absolutely. I was just thinking that I was just thinking this is so much this is like the predecessor to the American Pie and you know Van yeah. Wilder and like all those different well, yeah well Van Wilder was uh, National Lampoon yes that. it was so, you know yes, they, it was. there's another little tag in there for National Lampoons and, and I mean That's right. National Lampoons was actually a magazine that came out back in I want to say the late 70s mm-hmm. or mid mid to late 70s because that's actually yes. where the whole thing the whole concept for this came about was that John Hughes wrote a short story that ended up in National Lampoon's magazine. He called it Vacation 58. You know what? That's exactly what I was talking about in the previous podcast. V58 on the license plate on 16 Candles. Vacation 58. Yeah, and this all stems from basically a road trip that his parents took to Disneyland mm-hmm. when he was a kid. And it was oh, just – wondered. You know, he goes, oh my god, this was an absolutely horrible road trip. I mean, you know, just – the crap piled up in the back of the car, you know, the food wrappers laying there, you know. For some people, it was a good thing. And, I mean, back in the 50s, a lot of people did that. They would take road yeah. trips, and it was that was the big thing. Everybody would drive Route 66 to go from, uh-huh. you know, wherever they were going, back in Chicago or whatever, all the way out to California. Yeah. You know, and that mm-hmm. was the thing. You know, I mean, you listen to the song Route 66, and it talks about going from Barstow, you know, to Chicago. Yes. You know, and you hear this route, and it mm-hmm. still exists there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people still can drive it, but it's it's not the same, I don't think. You know, I mean, no, they no. started putting in the freeway systems back in the late 50s and early 60s, and that kind of fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. How funny. I was just wondering about the Vacation 58 from 16 Candles. Well, now I know the reference to that. That's awesome. Yes. 
so let me ask you, I mean, what were your, obviously you had some favorite memories of this movie. What did you like oh, about it? Oh, I love the whole movie. But I think the, the funny, the funny thing about it to me is that it's not, it is in certain parts, it is ha ha funny and slapstick. Generally, it's the, the humor is very toned down. It's very sarcastic. It's very, um, Clark, the character of Clark, you know, Chevy Chase's character is pretty over the top, but he does it so well. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you have to, like, really watch. And a lot of it I probably didn't understand when I was six, seven years old growing up watching it. <laughs> As you get older, you start to pick up on, you know, the little, like, the, I noticed, yeah, the little, there's little subtle bits of humor in there. That oh, yeah, the, the little sexual up. innuendos that are said yes, and whatnot. Yes, and I noticed even watching it last night to prepare for this, I'm watching this and I'm going, he is so hilarious, even in just how he carries himself in this movie with this character. He just, he's bouncy. He just, oh, yeah. He bounces. You know, and it, it just, I'm looking at this, I'm going, this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. And he didn't really do a lot of bounciness in the other vacation movies, but in this one in particular, I noticed that he bounced a lot. You know, there's oh, just yeah. little things that you pick up, but the humor is just hilarious. And you can watch the, and there's classic scenes, you know, uh, Aunt Edna on the roof of the car, oh. you know. <laughs> And my, you know, there's just so, you know, him, his freak out when they're really close to the fun park and they're wanting to bail out, you know, his, just all these different things that just crack me up and I can watch it over and over again. The shower scene with Beverly D'Angelo when he, you know, oh, he, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I was like, I honestly, cause I didn't remember until I watched it the other day. I didn't remember that you got to see Beverly Angelo's boobs because yes. I remember seeing European vacation. And there was there was supposed there was that whole shower scene in there where she you know she's hidden and she does the whole sex scene and it ends up getting out on tape. Yeah, I didn't know because I thought, oh, okay, well then she's just not going to show herself. And then I went back and I watched this. I'm like, holy shit, you see everything there, you know? Split second, yeah, it was very tastefully done. But just oh, I, yeah. I just I love this movie. And again, I mean, just like with other movies that we've talked about, I pick up on new things every single time I watch it. And now I'm watching it with you know now because I'm such a movie buff, I'm looking out for little bits of trivia. I'm watching for it. Oh yeah, um, I've got lots of trivia for this movie. Okay, well, let's go ahead and we'll jump in a little bit to the background of the film for those who sure. haven't seen this movie yet. And <laughs> again, for those of you who haven't seen it, <laughs> you need to. See it. Yeah, it's if, if you've ever taken a road trip, ever anywhere, this thing is going to bring back memories, good and bad, for everybody. Oh, oh yes. You know, uh, so basically, what it is, this movie—it's uh, called National Lampoon's Vacation. A lot of people will refer to it as Vacation. Uh, it was a 1983 comedy film directed by none other than Egon Spengler himself, Harold Ramis. Right. So you know, the guy from Ghostbusters, the geeky guy that you saw. That's Harold Ramis. Yep. Uh, movie starred Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Randy Quaid, Dana Barron, Anthony Michael Hall. Those are the big names that you see across the screen there. Uh, there are other characters like Imogene Coca who shows up, uh, mm -hmm. James Staley, but we'll get to that in the cast list. So, yes. uh, Film features numerous others. Well, basically people like John Candy, uh, Christy Brinkley, Jane Krakowski, you know, they mm -hmm. show up in the thing there, but like I said, we'll, we'll move on for that, for the cast. Uh, screenplay, as I mentioned, it was written by John Hughes based on a yep. short story in National Lampoon's magazine, Vacation 58. Uh, the screenplay takes it, instead of being in 1958, it changes it to 1983, which was yeah. really, I mean, it was appropriate. They still, oh, yeah. 
this is the thing about this movie is that even though it was done back in 1983, it still has a timelessness to it because it absolutely does. That's something that struck me too. You watch it, and even though you're watching it and you're seeing these old piece of crap cars that are driving around on the road. Yeah. You still have this feeling of nostalgia because you can kind of go, oh, shit, this could be me in 20 years. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was neat to look back and go look at the old ass computer that he was planning the trip on. And, oh. you know, the you know, just all these, you know, the ugly ass station wagon and oh, yeah. you know, all, all the little dated things about it. it was well, so we'll get to that. that. I know we'll get to that station wagon here in a little bit because that thing, <laughs> that thing was a pile of crap and it was a custom oh. job. So. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, so basically, I mean, the original story of this sh- of this movie here, uh, it was a reportedly fictionalized account of uh, John Hughes's own trip to Disneyland, which he changed to Wally World for the film, basically because Disney was kind of knocking on the door saying, uh, yeah, say anything about us, we'll sue your ass. Yeah, I wondered about that, yeah. 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 Uh, basically, I mean, this really helped him in his success as a screenwriter. I mean, this was mm-hmm. this was probably one of his biggest things that he did. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, yeah, he did Ferris Bueller. You know, he did. Uh, you know, he did Weird Science, Sixteen Candles, all those films. But this was really kind of the kickoff to everything for where he really kind of jumped out and made a name for himself as a screenwriter. Yeah. Uh, the movie itself was a significant box office hit. Uh, it earned more than sixty-one million in the U.S. with an wow. estimated budget of only fifteen million. So basically, you know, yeah. I mean, they're they're kicking ass on this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, in the year two thousand, readers of Total Film magazine voted National Lampoon's Vacation as the forty-sixth greatest comedy film of all time. Nice. Uh, widely considered to be the best film in all of National Lampoon's series of vacation films, and it can really still continues to be a popular film, as we mentioned. Yeah. Uh, it, it has a great staple on cable television channels. I, I know I see it showing up on AMC and uh, uh, I don't want to say Turner Classic Movies because that's not it. Uh, there's there's several movie channels. I see it showing up on Showtime every once in a while uh-huh, on HBO. Uh-huh. The fact that it's showing up on these you know premium movie channels as you know throwback to the '80s really says something for the movie that it really oh, still absolutely. stands the test of time. Yes, it's classic to me. I I, yeah. I mean I, I can't believe it. it's been thirty years. Yeah, yeah. You think about that, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" You know, and you know that's something else is when you start seeing some of the cast members in this in this film, and you realize that they've gone on to do other things. You know, Mm -hmm. Anthony Michael Hall. You know, Michael Anthony Hall is is one of the ones that sticks in my mind because he he looks like he's probably about thirteen or fourteen years old in this film. He is fourteen. Yes. You know, and then you go and you see him later on, and it, you know to see him playing in roles like Edward Scissorhands, uh, you know, showing up in uh, you know Weird Science. I mean, yeah, he he progressed. He was you know he was, I think he was eighteen in in Weird Science, but you know it's still it's like damn, you know, the kid has gone from this geeky little thing which you see growing up as Russ Griswold, yeah, in this film to you know doing the Dead Zone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. You know, but well, you know that's one of those things with hit with this is I I really was surprised at how well this film came off for everything. Me too. You know? Me too. Excellent movie. So we'll go ahead and we'll go on to the cast. Okay. Uh, we've got we have some just really standout people in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say this is probably you know I mean 
we had Chevy Chase. He came. He came to us here. He he's playing Clark Griswold, who's mm-hmm. matriarch, or the uh, patriarch of the family. Uh, he was a former SNL cast member. Uh, he did. He actually started the whole weekend update thing that Dennis Miller really made popular. Uh, you know, Dennis Miller, at least back in back in the '90s when I remember watching Saturday Night Live. Uh, Dennis Miller was a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon did it for a while. I mean, all these people did it, and it's. You know, it's grown into this staple of SNL. Yeah. But, you know, Chevy Chase was the one who started all that. And he had the oh, whole line of Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. <laughs> I remember that. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, but yeah, Chevy Chase did other films. I mean, he, you know, his most most popular ones, I think, were probably Three Amigos, Fletch, and Caddyshack, as well as the uh-huh. other vacation films. But, uh, you know, he also was uh, recently on the TV series Community. Or people yeah. love him. Personally, I can't stand the show, but that's me. Yeah, yeah. You know. It doesn't really resonate with me either, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, though, I think that this is probably his most memorable role. Everybody knows oh. him for vacation. Oh, absolutely. The character Clark Griswold, you know. It's, you know. Every, everybody knows who Clark Griswold is because I'm sure everybody has seen at least one of the vacation movies. Yeah. So. yeah well, yeah. And, and like you, you can't go through Christmas without seeing Christmas no. Vacation on something. Absolutely. Oh, I, you know? every year. Yeah, every so year we watch it. People see yeah. that for Christmas Vacation. And that's that's one of these roles that has spawned from the Griswold family vacations. Exactly. Uh, moving down the list, the next person we have, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, who is Ellen uh-huh. Griswold. Yep. Uh, she's, you know, she, she's a matriarch there. She really is kind of this whole, oh, you know, oh, Sparky type thing, you know, and that was, <laughs> I, I never understood why she called him Sparky, but, you know. Maybe it's because it rhymes with Clark and it's kind of. It's, yeah. Because he's so high-spirited, maybe. I don't know, but I, I think it's because it rhymes with Clark. That's my guess, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was, yeah. I, you know, I mean, obviously, I think that, you know, they had their hot times, because I remember them talking about when they were driving down to Fort Lauderdale, and they're talking about how they didn't crash when they're driving down in the Austin Healy that he had. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I love her character because she's funny, but it's very understated, but she's like the voice of reason for oh, Clark. Yeah. Kind of, she's the level head. She's the, you know, come on now, let's, you know, let's really think this through. Do you really want to do this? You know, very, very level headed and calm for him, which is good for someone like him, for sure. Yeah. Uh, she actually, she really hasn't had a whole lot of roles outside of, oh. of vacation, but uh, she was in the movie Coal Miner's Daughter. She played Patsy yeah. Klein. Yes. Uh, she's excellent. Ha- she's had a recurring role on HBO series Entourage as Barbara Miller. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, she's also <clears throat> I mean, she's done a lot of voiceovers. Like she's appeared on The Simpsons for a lot of voiceovers. Uh, she, oh. uh, God, she played Lurleen, I think it was, who was supposed to be like a country western singer. Uh, I mean, she's done she's done these voices for. Uh, for a lot of cartoon type stuff where she's supposed to be playing a country western singer. So He's got an excellent voice, so that's very good that she's able to utilize that talent. Yeah. And, and I, that's one of those things that really kind of surprised me about her because I look at her and I think, I can't imagine her being a, like a country western type singer, but yeah, hey, you know, good for you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, she's got a beautiful voice. Now, <laughs> next one here, I think this one, she kind of stole the show in a lot of ways. Even though she died halfway through the movie, you know, at least her character did. Mm-hmm. Imogene Coca as Aunt Edna. Aunt Edna, yes. 
Uh, now, Imogen Coca, she actually she had done a lot of stuff. She was a, a, a large. She was actually very big in TV series in the fifties called the Imogen Coca Show. Oh really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. She also played opposite Sid Caesar on your show of shows. Uh huh. Uh, for me, I mean, really, she, this was where I remembered her most because a lot of those shows took place well before I was, you know, even a twinkle in my dad's eye. Yeah. Uh, but I did find out that she did additional voices, and I I don't know what additional voices she did, but she uh, was working on the Garfield and Friends cartoon series shortly before her death. Oh wow! So, huh. for all I know, she may have been making, you know, she may have been, you know, doing things where she's like, you know, making pig noises or cow noises yeah. or something in the barnyard for U.S. Yeah. Acre sections, but who oh. knows? Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Next character, we've talked about him before. We're probably going to talk about him again, uh, mm-hmm. especially when we start getting into weird science. Uh, yep. This will be Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, yep. He is Russell Rusty Grid- Griswold. Uh, he is, you know, he's Clark's son. He's he's kind of just this, yeah, whatever, Dad. You know, he, he kind of <laughs> plays this, you know, he, he's supposed to be kind of just this dumb kid, I guess, in, in the way that the thing comes off. But it's kind of like, okay, yeah, he's a lot smarter than he lets on. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah, it's very – I thought he – you know, he didn't have a lot of comedic lines in the movie, but he was a good character. He was um, – and I, I really liked the interaction between Clark and Rusty in, in the movie and stuff too. But I didn't really – I couldn't really grasp what he was all about. I, with Audrey, you could kind of tell that she's kind of airhead and, you know, kind of little Miss Princess or whatever. But with Rusty, I wasn't quite sure really what to make of his character, what he was supposed – you know, typical teen boy maybe. Yeah, uh, I mean he was just like – I remember the scene for him where they're at the motel and he's swimming. he's swimming in the pool naked – or he's supposed to be Clark Griswold's supposed to be swimming in the pool yeah, naked. Yeah. And Rusty comes out and sees it, and he comes up and he tells him, "Yeah, she was a poolside waitress. Uh, she came <laughs> and I was uh, I was ordering fish for you and everybody in the room." And he looks at his dad and he goes, "So, Dad, you think Mom's going to buy that?" Exactly. I kind of got the impression that, like, and and actually, you can see it in the car how you know Clark was driving and Ellen was in the passenger seat, and then Rusty was sitting behind her, and then Audrey was sitting behind Clark. They physically looked alike. So I, I, I wonder if the director was doing that intentionally because, you know, Ellen definitely looked like Rusty and Clark definitely looked like Audrey. But I think that they kind of took on each other's personality as well. I think Rusty was kind of the level-headed teenager. Audrey was kind of more like Clark and kind of like airheaded and let's, you know, go with the flow and, you know, kind of um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, flighty maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of thought that maybe that, that Rusty was a little – you know, kind of took more after Ellen. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? The just the whole vibe and the level headedness and the maturity and he, it was he great. pretty much was mature. I mean, even though he wasn't you know, he was still that fourteen, he he wasn't he wasn't the wise beyond your years type of of kid, but he also wasn't, you know, your typical goofball screw up either. Exactly, exactly. It was very well executed. So I mean I, I liked him for that, but Anthony, like I like we've said before, he has shown up in a lot of lot of John Hughes films. He's yes. going to show up in the next one that we're going to talk about: uh, Weird Science, Sixteen Candles. Uh, God, I'm trying to think of some some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, yeah, I want to say Pretty in Pink. Uh, um, no, he was not in that one. Okay, Breakfast Club, maybe then. Breakfast it's, Club, yes. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of because that had Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, and all that. Yep. So. 
but that'll be one that we'll cover here in the John Hughes spotlight that we're still doing. So listen up for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, next character, Dana Barron. Uh-huh. Uh, she played as Audrey Griswold. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a role on a TV show called Crossbow, which was loosely based on William Tell. Uh, she also had a small recurring role on Beverly Hills 90210. Yes, as, she did. Uh, yes, she played she did. Nikki Witt. Yep, she played Brandon's girlfriend. I was going to mention that in the trivia if you hadn't mentioned it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those small roles. I don't remember watching because, I mean, like, at the time that that was going on, that show, everybody in the night brother was watching, you know, Beverly Hills 90210. And mm-hmm. I was one of these people who just wasn't interested. Yeah, it was, it was geared more for teenage girls, but I remember seeing it actually and going, "Oh my god, that girl looks familiar. She looks exactly the same." And and I think we'll see if if Vacation came out in 1983 and this was like 1990, 91, 92, this yep. girl was mid 20s, you know, maybe 26, 27, playing a 15-year-old and I swear to god, she pulled it off and she looked exactly the same in 90210 as she did in Vacation. It was that was what struck me as once I finally realized, "Oh my god, that's Audrey." Yeah. Uh, I was just like, "Holy crap, she has not aged." And I think I saw a picture of her not too long ago, and she still looks great. And she's in her forties. Yeah. I'm going, "Oh my god, this woman just does not age." Lucky you know, she's, her. She's gotten a little bit taller, a little bit bigger. You know, she's mm-hmm. filled out. She, she's filled out in the right ways. <laughs> yeah, she's a beautiful girl. But I, did, I, I was. That's what struck me is once I was watching 902 and I was watching it as it was on the air, 13, 14 years old, going, "Where have I seen that girl?" And yeah. then it hit me. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Audrey from Vacation. And, yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, now, she also uh, – one of the funny things about the whole Vacation series, they kept recasting all the kids. They did? Yes. For yeah. – when they, when they went to European Vacation, because what was going to oh, happen oh, – oh, 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 yes. Okay. I see what you're uh, saying. Okay. What was going to happen is that when they went to, re- when they went to go recast – or when they went to go do the cast for uh, European Vacation, yeah, Michael Anthony Hall was supposed to be, or Anthony Michael Hall was supposed to be for, uh, he was supposed to reprise his role as Rusty. Yeah, and they wanted him. Dana Barron was going to come back and do Audrey, and then it turned out that they couldn't actually get him through it. Uh, yeah, I remember. What, it, what had happened was that because Michael Anthony Hall went off to go do uh, Weird, Weird Science, Science. Uh-huh. so he was unavailable to do the film, which was kind of like, yeah. oh shit. So. What they did, what what they did for that was that they just said, "Well, we're going to recast, and that's going to be the way that it is." And it yeah. was actually, it was actually something that was kind of a joke because uh, Clark Clark had well, uh, Chevy Chase had wanted to say at one time. He goes, "Yeah, I always wanted to make the joke. Geez, I hardly ever get the chance to see the kids anymore. I hardly knew who they are. We should really go on a vacation, you know." And that was kind of because he because the kids had obviously changed, and you see this yeah, Vegas yeah. vacation. Rusty that's is. Right. You know, you see him in European Vacation. He's supposed to be a little bit older in European Vacation, but mm-hmm. totally different kid. Because I, I want to say he's got like reddish brown hair. Yeah. When he was blonde in the first one, so it's kind of like, yeah. wow, totally different kid. And then you know, of course, when he comes back for a Christmas vacation, it's not, and you know, it's not him. It's not the original kid. It's Johnny, Johnny Galecki. Galecki. <laughs> yes, and that's something I have to say. That's the only thing that about these movies that I did not like is that the continuity with the parents was great. The continuity with, you know, Catherine and Eddie was great, but the kids, I mean, if they, they really should have pushed even delayed filming of the European vacation to get Anthony Michael Hall, because it just did not. 
And I bet you that's probably most people's complaints about this movie is that the kids kept changing and I just did not. I liked each movie individually. Each one had its merits. Um, and I love the first one. That's my favorite. But changing the kids, I think, probably did hurt it. Yeah. Well, he, here's the thing is that they did bring back Audrey for one of the vacation films. Uh, she did come back to do, and it, it was a horrible, horrible film. I I actually saw it. Uh, I will say that I picked it up on like Cinemax or HBO or something like that as one of these late night comedy films. They did Christmas Vacation to Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. I've never seen that. I didn't know they did that. Oh, oh no. God. Horrible. Oh, it's horrible. It, it's oh, it's painful no. to watch. It's painful to oh. watch. And it's kind of like as you watch it, you kind of start to go, holy shit, this is what happened to Randy Quaid. Oh, no. Uh, so who did they bring back for Rusty? Who played Rusty? They. I don't remember them having Rusty in the film. Oh, how weird. Uh, but they bring back Dana Barron. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, it, it's just it, – it's just – don't <laughs> don't watch <laughs> I've it. I've never even heard of it. So the, yeah, wow. it's now it's really bad. Interest, so now I'm going to have to go check it out. And, and <laughs> um, well, <sighs> speaking of Randy Quaid, now Randy Quaid, he played his crazy cousin Eddie. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, how do we really describe crazy cousin Eddie other than to just say that he seems like a complete goofball? Oh, totally. Of totally. course. The one line that really kind of speaks volumes for Crazy crazy Eddie or, you know, Cousin Eddie is that uh, when he says, oh, yeah, you know, I was getting disability, but, you know, the Army said that, you know, I don't get – they cut back on my disability because my plate in my head isn't big enough. <laughs> yes. Well, that really speaks for him exactly to the T, oh, you know. He did a great job with that role. It's yeah. awesome. awesome. Hey, you know, it, it, when they pull up in the in the family truckster – Hey, Clark, really like them green wall tires. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a little trouble outside of St. Louis. Oh, they look great, you know. <laughs> that was excellent. You know, just – but Randy Randy Quaid has acted in other films, which I think he did much better roles in. I mean, you know, Cousin Eddie, he was playing this crazy person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked him in some of the more serious roles that he did when he played in Days of Thunder. Uh, when he. Yeah, he he played in Independence yeah. Day. Independence Day, he yeah. kind of brought back the whole crazy from you know from Cousin Eddie. Yeah, unsophisticated kind of. Um, I don't want to say slow or white trash, but just kind of yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know he he was apparently was in Brokeback Mountain, which he got. I didn't know that. He was nominated for some awards or something for that. I oh. never saw the film. Never really had any desire to. Yeah, I've seen parts of it, but yeah, I haven't seen the whole thing. I don't, yeah. I don't remember seeing him in it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I just, I have a bone to pick with Ang Lee for ruining the Hulk, but that's, <gasps> you know, that's another reason why I did not care for the film. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, it's because it's gay. You know, it talks about gay. No, it's not that. I just can't stand the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Randy Quaid. Uh, for those who haven't heard the news on this, he really kind of took a huge slide off. A couple years ago uh, when he kind of came out and he started alleging that people were trying to kill him and his wife. And he had this band that he called – they performed a song called Star Whackers. Oh, really? Oh, God. Yeah, it's it's basically about how Hollywood – how everybody in Hollywood is out to kill him because apparently there were a lot of Hollywood stars at the time that were dying off from just mysterious – circumstances what he felt was really mysterious huh. 
Uh, he was also he and his wife were also arrested for squatting in a home that they thought that they owned, and it turns out that they didn't actually own anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that had been sold, and they said, "Well, they practically they stole it out from under us." And you know, the person who signed it said they were they owned it when they really didn't, and you know, oh. so they 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 were called into court. The charges were supposed to be dropped. They fled. They went up to Canada. That's where right. They were hiding in Canada. Canada yeah. said, "Well, we're not going to grant them. We're not going to grant them asylum up here, but mm-hmm. they they haven't bothered to chase them out of Canada. So they're still in Canada. They're still in Canada, them. and supposedly, oh. the, supposedly the running joke is, hey, you know, we gave away two quades for the beaver, which <laughs> I'm not exactly certain that was a good trade. Oh God, you know, so." I feel so bad for him, though. I don't know if he's just—is he schizophrenic? Is he mentally ill, or has that been uncovered at all? You know, I don't know. I don't know because I know his brother. His brother Dennis kind of said, you know, uh, or his his cousin or brother, whatever it is, Dennis Quaid. Uh huh. Yeah. uh, He kind of said, yeah, we just don't really want to talk about Randy. He's kind of the black sheep, and he really kind of has become that black sheep of the family. Oh no. too bad because he, you know, he had a lot of talent and a lot of promise, and he's been in a lot of stuff. That's a, that's a shame. Yeah. So, but I mean, it, it is what it is. He, you know, he went off the deep end as far as I'm concerned. I think as yeah. far as a lot of Hollywood's concerned. So. Yes. Yes. Lost we, cause. You know, we won't be seeing him anytime <laughs> soon. I don't think. Nope. Uh, now the next person here we have seen a lot of uh, over the years. And recently, we've been starting to see her daughter picking up into the scene, uh, Christy Brinkley. Yeah. Uh, oh my God, she was hot in this film. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, she was. She was. Yeah, yeah I think she was. She had been a model for. Oh yeah. You know, starting she, to become known as a model for. I think she started like in the late seventies. Um, yeah. So she'd been she'd been modeling for you know a few years at that point, but yeah, drop yeah. dead gorgeous. And she, she was, still is. Yeah, you know she was the she was a cover girl cos she she was the face of cover girl cosmetics for many many years. Yep. yep. Uh, there there were a couple of bad mistakes that she made. She ended up marrying Billy Joel, but oh, you know, I like Billy Joel. <laughs> Don't hate. He is a bug eyed, <laughs> ugly ass mother. He's aged well. He was. I think he's better looking now than when he was younger. But yeah, the daughter is interesting. The, oh, you know. the, the daughter. I mean, you can clearly see where she got her looks from because oh, it sure as hell ain't from the other side of the family. Oh, and it's so strange because you know, I just I don't see a hint of Christy in her. It's all Billy, oh, and she's see. very she's she's pretty, but it's the whole bug eyed thing that just kind of throws me off. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, she she, she doesn't have that at all. She does no. not have that at all. She's very very no. pretty. Beautiful. But. Sorry, folks. We're closed for two weeks to clean and repair America's favorite family fun park. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize, folks. We had some problems here with technical difficulties, and I had to kind of cut this around. So <laughs> uh, we're going to kind of jump back here to John Candy again, talk about John Candy as Officer <laughs> Russ Glasky. Yep. Uh, he actually has had quite a few roles, uh, quite yes, a few other roles here. Uh, again, speaking that he did show up in a lot of uh, John Hughes films, mm-hmm. uh, he showed up in The Great Outdoors, Home Alone, Uncle yep. Buck, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, as well as doing a lot of stuff for SCTV, SCTV or Second City TV out of Toronto mm-hmm. in Canada. Uh-huh. Uh, God, he, he just did so much before he died. 
Yes, he did. Yeah, I mean, I, I, brilliant. I'm sad to see that he passed away, but you know, I am too. He was brilliant. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, he just kind of <laughs> ate himself to death. Is what happened. Just yeah, you know, I, I want to say he had a heart attack or something that he died from, I, which I believe so. Mm-hmm. Brought on by his overeating, and yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's sad because everybody just kind of thinks that you know fat is funny, and to some extent, I see it, but. You know, we need to we need to realize that hey, people need to be healthy as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It's not worth you know for, to get a laugh. It's not worth killing yeah. yourself. You know, which is what you're doing slowly. You know. Yeah. So I mean, it, we'll try and leave this on a better note here. Uh, I mean, he really was. I I loved him in this film. He was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, he was great here for the security guard role that he played at Wally World. Uh Kind of going down with some of the other characters, some of the other lesser-known people who played in the film. Uh, we had Eddie Bracken who showed up. He was Roy Wally. And yeah. I thought he was spot-on for everything. Oh, totally, I mean, totally. He was kind of that blend of Walt Disney and Roy Disney. I was just going to say he reminded me of Walt Disney. And I don't know no. if that was deliberate, but that was – Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, if totally. I, and I remember seeing Roy Disney – uh, he showed up shortly after Walt had passed away, uh-huh. uh, and he was kind of he was kind of taking over for uh, what was happening with a lot of Disney stuff at the time because he was uh-huh. he was kind of hand in hand with Walt. Yeah, and he had the curly hair going on on top, just like Eddie Bracken <laughs> had for this film. They both had the little penciled in mustache, you know, the, the pencil thin mustache yeah. that kind of came across. Uh, yeah. That was just when I looked at it and the mannerisms. It was spot on, Disney. Oh, wow. That's so great. Yeah. I've never seen Eddie Bracken, as far as I know. I can't place him anywhere else, so that's the only role that I, I, you know, that's memorable to me. Yeah. But he he was brilliant. I thought, oh, my God, this is so Walt Disney. I well, love it. He did, a lot of, he did a lot of Broadway roles, yeah, uh, a I lot of onstage been. roles, so not a whole yeah. lot in front of the camera. But he has had a, quite an illustrious acting career. Yes, he so, has. Yeah. Now, what, a couple of other people I do want to mention: uh, Eugene Levy, who shows up. Oh and yes. If you, if for those of you who don't know who Eugene Levy is, he started off on Second City TV on SCTV with John Candy. Yep. Uh, he is a Canadian actor. Yep. Uh, he's kind of shown up in a lot of things, but most recently, uh, his biggest kind of claim to fame has been playing as Jim's dad in Jim's all the American dad. Pie movies. Yes. And we never know what his name is. He's just known by and billed as Jim's dad, isn't he? Yes. I love it. It's great. You know, just Jim's dad, and that's it. And, you know, yep. well, we'll just tell your mother we ate the pie. <laughs> it was brilliant. And he was also in Splash. And I yes. just saw that recently with my daughter. And she's like, I recognize that man. Where's that man from? I said, oh, honey, he's been in Vacation. He's been in American Pie. He's been in all. So it's neat to kind of go back again. And Yeah. I mean, you he, know. He, and he's played in a couple of roles with John Candy because John Candy showed yes. up in Splash. Uh-huh. Uh, John Candy also showed up in Armed and Dangerous, which yes. uh, Eugene yes. Levy played with. And That's they were both right. kind of co-stars on. Yep. Uh, he also had some roles. He he kind of received nods for uh, some of the indie comedies uh, Best in Show and A Mighty Wind. I've heard of those, but I don't think I've ever seen them. Yes, he's they're, been in a They're kind of bizarre. I mean, like, Best in Show was kind of just this – I don't know. I, I didn't care too much for it. It was supposed to be about a dog show, and it, it's like uh-huh. the way that it was put together was supposed to be a vignette of these – of these four different people who have their dogs that are taking them to dog show and each one of them want their dogs to win. And uh-huh. it just kind of got, 
it, it was kind of really weird. I mean, you see Jane Lynch as, as one of these people who wants to take her dogs and she's – or, or uh, you see – God, what's her name? Jennifer or something or other. She was in um, – she was in the Legally Blonde movies, and she was this hairdresser. And... Jennifer. Oh, what's her name? She played the Stifler's mom. Yeah. Jennifer Coolidge. Thank you. Uh huh. Thank you. But yeah, she and she and uh, Jane Lynch are. Uh, she's she's taking her dogs to the dog show to try to get her dogs to win the dog show, and Jane Lynch ends up like uh, she ends up falling for her, and they end up becoming these lesbian lovers at the end of the film. Yeah. And it's just it's kind of like, okay, uh, you know, and. Yeah. It was just I, – I don't know. I It was an okay film, but it wasn't like – you know. everybody made it out to be this great funny comedy, and I'm like, okay, I really don't see it. But Yeah, yeah. Um, one last person I want to mention here from the cast, uh, again playing a very small role, very similar to the role that he played in Ferris Bueller, uh, was James Staley. Yeah. Uh, now, James Staley in Ferris Bueller, he played the maitre d', the snotty maitre d'. Uh, that basically was harassing Ferris and telling him, you know, hey, I'm going to get you out of here. Call the cops. Well, yeah. he showed up in vacation, sans mustache, and he played as the motel desk clerk. Uh, so that's right. When you see when you that's see Clark right. Griswold trying to write out the check for a thousand dollars and hand it yes. to him, and give him cash. That's the same man, isn't yeah. it? I totally, same I totally guy. missed that. I totally missed that. Oh my it's God. that mustache no. that throws everybody. Yes, for it, so. I missed that. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, I, cool. I, I happened to see the name. I'm like, that name sounds familiar. And I went back and I looked. I'm like, holy crap, it's the same guy. I'll be darned. Yeah, and I, I, that's something I missed. And I've seen this movie God knows how many times. And Ferris Bueller, God knows yes. how many times. Yes. Very cool. Uh, yeah. So I did want to jump into the plot. Again, we're going to ruin this film for anybody who hasn't seen it. But <laughs> maybe it's going to make you want to go see it to begin oh, with. Oh, it's so great. You know. Uh, the movie starts off basically. It, it, it's got Clark Griswold and his wife Ellen. Uh, they really want to spend more time with with their kids, Rusty and Audrey. Mm -hmm. uh, Clark decides that he's going to take and take the family on a cross country expedition from Chicago to L.A. Yep. Uh, and they're going to go to the L.A. amusement park Wally World, uh, which is billed as America's favorite family fun park. Yep. No, it's guys. It's it's a straight rip on Disney. Okay, straight oh, rip yeah. on Disneyland. Uh, you know, Ellen wanted to basically fly. Clark says, "Well, you know, I really think we should do this driving. You know, we can bond yeah. with our family." Yeah. And you know, back in the fifties, that's kind of what everybody did because uh -huh. planes were still planes were around, but they were still very expensive, and you really only saw like executives flying at that time. It was, yeah, it was definitely something that, you know, you just go and you take a Sunday drive or you go and you do a road trip and that's, you know, family yeah. bond time. Yeah. And this is kind of throwing back to that. So, I mean, it was, mm -hmm. was kind of nice. Uh, mm -hmm. In preparation, though, he decides that he's going to go out and order a new sports wagon. Yes. Uh, you know, and he pulls up and the dealer who was played by Eugene Levy, uh, he basically pulls a bait and switch on him. Uh, saying that the sports wagon that he ordered won't be ready for another six weeks because it just didn't come in. And he calls yep. to Davenport, some guy who's like cleaning cars or something on, on the lot. Davenport, what happened to Mr. Griswold's car? Oh, yeah. Hell, I don't know. Yep. You know? Uh, so basically what happens is that Clark is Clark is accepted. The, he's forced to accept a wagon queen, wagon queen family truckster. 
Yeah, uh, because, god awful, ugly piece of shit. Yeah, it, what what happened is that he's like, well, no, I'm not some schmuck off the street. You know, bring me my old car back. I'll take my business elsewhere. And they bring it back, and they've already flattened his car. Yes, which I, I, that confused me. I'm like, was it, it was a trade in? Did they just see that it was a piece of shit and they couldn't get anything for it, so they decided to s- destroy it? I'm, that's what I'm assuming. Pretty much, but, they said yeah. it's worth more. Wor- it's worth more as metal than anything else. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that family truckster, that was a oh. pile of crap. Oh, I uh, sort of Max, and I love how that just kind of sets the scene for the sets the tone for the entire movie. Yeah, it's like okay, we start off before we even get on our vacation. We get the wrong vehicle. Here we yeah. go. You yeah, know, it, it just kind of goes downhill a little bit from there. You know, what I mean, oh, totally. Uh, yes. Now, as they travel, they do have quite a few numerous mishaps. Uh, yes. They end up going through St. Louis on their way to go meet uh, cousin Eddie and the family, mm-hmm. and they, you know they get off on the wrong they get off on the wrong exit, and you know Ellen's going Clark Clark you missed the exit I think we're in the wrong area. Oh no, this will be great. We'll get a chance to see America. Yes, and it ends up being a slum. But one of my favorite lines in that is, <sighs> you know, you sit there and he goes, "Hey kids, take a look outside. Listen to what's going on in the streets." And all of a sudden, they start hearing gunshots. Roll them up, kids. (laughs) And you know what? I have to interject with a little bit of trivia. If you notice, Chevy Chase doesn't roll up his window in that scene. He makes the motions to do it, but there's no window being rolled up. I thought that was interesting. Well, I'm trying to think. Was that before or after uh, they went to the car hop? Because I remember that they had the car hop, and he went to go put the – this was before. This was in the very beginning of the movie as they're, okay. as they're taking off. Yeah, he took the wrong exit. That was like that was one of their first mishaps. The very first one being obviously the car not being the right one. And then as they're backing out, the luggage falls everywhere. And did you notice how that seemed to be kind of a recurring theme throughout the movie too? Oh, yeah. Every time, every time he'd start to get going, the damn luggage, he'd hit something or he'd go off the road. Or in this case, he's pulling out of the driveway, out of the garage, and the luggage falls off. I think I counted that that luggage came off the car for Four or five times. Oh, at least, <laughs> at, at least. least. Uh, I got, I kind of lost track after a while, but yeah, that was like, I don't know if that was meant to be like a trademark of the movie. I think it was, but it's just like, oh god, because even just the hassle of having to put the luggage back up on the luggage rack, such a pain in the ass. Oh so yeah, time consuming, you know. But that's just one of the little bit bits of comedy that's in this movie is just seeing the luggage every time he or every time he's shocked or surprised or upset. He turns off the road, and then the, the luggage goes flying, and he takes a jump. It, it's just hilarious. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I think – yeah, I think that was definitely a trademark. But, yeah, that was at the very beginning. They take the wrong turn, and but, yeah, he does not roll up his window. Yeah, I mean I, I, I laughed because that car ended up with – it ended up oh. with the green walls. They had the hubcaps oh. stolen. The, the, the honky for life spray painted on the, the side. Honky lips. Honky lips, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember being five, six years old going, what's a honky? And my, and my mom Shh, was don't like, say that. Yeah, so my mom was like, oh, please, let's just, let's just not. Yeah, you're too young for this, honey. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Oh, great. You know, and that whole scene when they go through St. Louis and they're going through and they have the roll them up kids thing. <laughs> that was actually spoofed in uh, the family guy did an episode where they spoofed Star Wars. Oh, really? And it was called Blue Harvest. Uh-huh. Uh, well, when they did Blue Harvest, there's actually a scene where you see them getting ready to come in and destroy the Death Star, mm-hmm. and they have 
they they have Beverly D'Angelo and Chevy Chase come back to reprise their roles from vacation, and they're oh, supposed to be driving funny. this. They're driving this piece of crap car that is flying through space. It's basically, it looks like a cross between the family truckster and a Jetsons car, as they're soaring through space. And he says, and he says something to the effect of like, um, "Hey kids, check it out. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing the universe, and you know, there's the Death Star down there." And all of a sudden, they start hearing laser blasters, and they goes, "Roll them up, kids." <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that it's, you know, again, this tells you how ingrained this movie is in pop culture. It's absolutely, absolutely. So what happens after the after the slum? They uh, gosh, trying to think back to I mean, there's just so much that happened in the movie. Well, I know that they end up meeting up. They finally end up getting to like they're, they're trying to drive on and. I know that they end up having that whole spin out. Clark falls asleep driving at the wheel. That's it. Yes. Oh, that was great. That was one of the best you know, scenes. Runs through the intersections, all that, and then like wakes up and comes to a screeching halt, flips the car yeah. around, spins out, ends oh. up in the parking lot of the hotel motel, and he goes, <laughs> well, up and at him, kids. We're here. We're here. <laughs> you know, that was, was great. Like, and a, another bit of trivia is the stunt person who did that got, it, got that in one take. Holy so crap. I thought that was absolutely freaking brilliant. And I was like, oh, my God, one take. And also there's a scene during that happens when he gets off the off the freeway. And there's a scene where he's, like, riding on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And there's a man walking a dog. And he pulls the man uh, – he pulls the dog back. Yes. That, that, that was actually the trainer of Dinky. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of cool they put him in there. Um, but, yeah, I remember, like, just being fascinated when I learned that one – freaking take and that was brilliantly executed it was awesome oh well i know that they do as as he keeps driving he keeps seeing uh the red the woman in the red ferrari who's played by christy brinkley yes uh-huh. uh, she keeps showing up in that flashy you know the 308 ferrari gts uh-huh. uh they end up you know he, he ends up stopping he sees her later on they they do end up stopping in coolidge kansas uh-huh. and coolidge kansas is really kind of just it's probably the worst thing that they could have done because they meet up with Ellen's cousin, who's played by Miriam Flynn, you know, uh-huh. Ellen's cousin Catherine. Yep. And uh, Catherine's pregnant out to here, and they've got what fifteen kids or something like that. Like five kids, yeah. You know. Yes. Uh huh. And those kids were so fucked up. Oh God, the whole family was just so wayward and. Oh so... yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I remember, I remember them like you see Audrey and her cousin. They're riding on the seesaw, and oh, the famous scene. You know, yes. oh, you know, I'm going steady. Okay, French kiss. Yeah, yeah. I French kiss. Well, lots of people do that. Yeah, but Daddy says I'm the best at it. Best incest line ever. I oh. love it. <laughs> oh, you know that was just. Oh, and I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I, you know, I mean, she was kind of cute, but at the same time, I'm like. Oh. Hearing uh, that, you know. Oh, yeah, it makes your skin crawl. And I, I mean, that was pretty risky for early '80s. I'm sure that. Was, oh yeah. You know, but it was. Just, that's one of the things about the movie that makes it memorable. Everyone remembers Jane Krakowski, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and of course, you know, uh, some of the other things about it. Oh, you know, I've got a stack of nudie magazines this tall. You know. Yep. Yep. Well, you know what do you what do you do with them? You go. Can I have some? Hell no, I use them. <laughs> you use them? Yeah, guy. Yeah. Guy, show me how to use them. Ever yep. hear of bopping your baloney? Yes. I was like, oh my god. 
I remember asking my mom about that too. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> a lot again, a lot of the humor, adult, you know, sexual humor as a kid you just don't understand. And yeah, thankfully my kids haven't really asked, you know, they haven't sat really all the way through with it, you know, watching it with me, but I'm prepared to answer the questions. You know, I'm prepared yeah. for the you know, the questions to come. Well, it's uh, kind of like double clicking your mouse, son. <laughs> exactly. It's getting to know bald headed John. You know, it's popping <laughs> a wheelie. You know, it's you know, hands, getting an old handsome Jack. You know, we have a bunch of names yeah, for that. Absolutely. She's not even you know not even twelve yet. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna try to save it off as much as possible. Yeah, but... you want them to remain as young as possible for as long uh, as they can. <laughs> absolutely. I love the scene. I think it was after the slum scene where they're stopping at the gas station and he couldn't and Clark couldn't find the gas tank. Oh, actually that was like right at the beginning. Cause he yeah. rips off the license plate and they're like looking around for it. Yet another thing for that car being just a total piece of crap. Oh, it's by the end of the movie, it's just destroyed and you just, Oh, yeah. oh God, it was, that just adds to it. It's like the, the things that the family and the car had gone through to get to Wally world. Oh yeah. It's, oh my Lord. Great. You know, uh, one of the big things, though, when they stop in Coolidge, Kansas, and they start visiting with all the family, there's there's a couple of things that come back and recur throughout the film afterwards. One, they pick up Aunt Edna. Yes. Okay. And they see Aunt Edna, and she's like, you know, she goes, oh, yeah, that, that, uh, you know, we were the ones who sent you the fruitcake. It made me so sick. Oh, she was such a... Bitch, and I and part of the trivia too is that this Imogene Coca did not was very very hesitant to take the role at first because she's like I I don't know if I can play this mean I don't know if I can be this bitchy and she actually like would go through the you know in between takes and she would ask everybody was that okay did I you know was that okay did I did I do okay I, I she was really really hesitant about it yeah but she pulled it off brilliantly oh well so... that was I remember when she passed away because they mm-hmm. had done a thing at the Oscars for her. Yes, I remember. And yeah. the scenes that everybody remembers, her riding around on the roof of the car playing dead yes. and being stuck there for vacation. I yes. mean, yeah, you know, they, they had other things that she had done, but this is what she was remembered for. Yes, I know. I think she was even in vaudeville, wasn't she? I mean, she's been, yes. she was around for a long time, but that was like, you know, it was in her later years and everything. I don't know what year she died, but it is interesting that that is something that she, you know, She's attracted yeah. so many generations of fans, and that is, as you know, most recently is one of the – I think it was probably one of the last things that she had done. But that's what she's really, really known for. Oh, yeah. And in a, yeah. Uh, now, a couple of other things was that there was – and I didn't pick up on this until this last time that I saw the film. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, Audrey's cousin says – you know, she says, oh, well, I got this trophy here for, for pig farming, you know, for yeah. being a farmer. And she goes, you know, being a farmer isn't all really that cool. And she goes, really? Let me show you something. Pulls yeah. out that box, that shoebox full of pot. Yes. Now, I didn't get this. Obviously, I mean, she was growing the pot. Yeah. But later on, when they go to leave, she hands Audrey a couple of blunts. Yes, she does. Now, later on, when they end up, when... Because they bring along Imogene Coca's dog, Dinky, yes. which Dinky was just a little demon dog as far as I'm oh, concerned. Oh, absolutely. Oh. You know, but when they have the scene, which, you know, to this day, this still kind of bothers me, uh, was when Dinky is basically the, they're hearing the rattle and the cop pulls him over and says that the dog was being drugged behind the car. Uh-huh. It still bothers me. You know, it's like, okay, that's just cruel. And I, I thought that they could have left that scene out. 
Yeah, the animal cruelty part, yeah. You know, but yeah. I mean, that's, I did not think that was funny at all. Even now, I still don't think it's funny. But no, when the cop was starting to pull him over, Audrey immediately hands her purse to Imogene and Coca. A, and yeah. I was trying to figure out, you know, I remember seeing that scene. But I didn't know why she was handing the purse to her. Yeah, it it Just didn't click. Yeah, hold my kid, purse. Like either, yeah. And then when I saw it, when I finally saw it yesterday, I'm like, oh, that's why she had the she had, she had the joints in her purse. Exactly. Yeah. And as a kid and growing up, I it did not click for me right away either. But that's exactly what it was because she got the she got the cigarettes and she put them in her purse and yeah, yeah that was. You know, so I it, it didn't yeah. click on me until I saw that. But that that comes back, you know. And then there's the scene where. Uh, they go to, you know, they're in the motel and Christy Brinkley and, and them are swimming and Audrey's sitting there and she's trying to smoke a joint. Yeah. Which I was kind of like, okay. That's pretty brazen. Yeah. She had the sunglasses. Yeah. And that was pretty brazen. I mean, her family were there and people in yeah. the motel. I thought, yeah, it was just kind of, I don't think she was really smoking it. I think she was holding it, trying to look cool. Well, I think the Rusty even said, you know, knock it off. You're being yeah. a dork. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this this whole thing just kind of keeps spiraling down and oh, down. You know, I mean, one thing after another. It's and of just... course, now after they pick up Aunt Edna, they mm-hmm. do run into Christy Brinkley, and one of my favorite scenes in the film when they're sitting there going to eat picnic, and she yes! hands Clark a sandwich. Here, your favorite yes! bologna that's and my cheese. Favorite. Yes, that's one of my favorites too. And, and he's dancing. It. He's eating the sandwich, and <laughs> she goes, "The sandwiches are all wet." Oh my god! Oh, the dog wet on him. Oh God! And he's Clark all spitting, spitting it out. out. And Imogene Coca just looks at it. It was kind of like chugs the sandwich. Eh, whatever. She shrugs her whatever. shoulders and keeps eating. I'm like, oh. Oh, it was so gross. I love that scene too. He was trying so hard to be cool, you know, dancing with the tree. And that's another thing too. It's like, what the fuck? That's all I've got to say about that scene. Okay, first of all, there's so many what the fucks about that scene. Oh yeah. It's- so one of my favorites. But first of all, what the fuck was she doing just wearing a t-shirt or a button-down shirt with a belt? First of all, you know, to comment on the fashion. Yeah. Secondly, she was parked there and with a wine cooler, okay? I yes. Watched, and, I, and I didn't catch it as a kid, but I'm watching it now. I'm going, <sighs> she's parked with a fucking wine cooler and drinking it. And there's two guys. There's one with a cowboy hat sitting in her seat. Yes. And there's another, and there's another guy standing on the other side of the car. I'm going... What the fuck is she doing? Is this what, you know, obvious? She's checking out Clark Griswold. Yeah, I'm going, oh my God, she's not, you know, her car isn't like, doesn't have mechanical difficulties. It doesn't appear that she stopped for some, you know, obvious reason. But she's just sitting there, music blaring. Yes. And I think there was a trailer or a big ass truck, big rig or something behind in the background. Yes. Um, But I'm going, okay, Obviously, did she stop to check out Clark? I, I wasn't sure, but I'm going, okay, first of all, what the fuck with the outfit? What the fuck with the wine cooler? What the fuck with the guys? And who the hell yeah. are they? And and the guys, you know, and they're just like looking at her in awe because she's so gorgeous, you know? Yeah. But I was like, what? And then, of course, I'm going, and then Clark notices her, and then they're all dancing together. I mean, the whole scene was just so far-fetched. And just so hilarious. I, I I still laugh. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is just so cheesy and so fun. And then, again, what the fuck? Ellen, I mean, is she, like, not observant at all? Because I'm sorry, if I'm the wife and I'm standing right there, you know, I'd be like, yeah. okay, what the hell is my husband doing? Why is he over by that tree, you know? Yeah. She, just, just... she didn't catch that. I'm going, oh, my God. The whole scene was hilarious, though. So One of my favorites. Yeah, you know, I mean, I do know that uh... – they end up going through all that. Uh, 
they when they get all done with all this stuff with picking up Anne Edna and they're driving. Uh, yeah. The, the next big scene is the scene where they're trying to get to the Grand Canyon. Uh-huh. And they're driving down that road. They miss two road-closed signs. Yes. The, the last one that they see is right across the road, and they're basically arguing, well, no, we would see if the road was closed. We'd see a sign looking like this one here, right about uh-huh. they jump off. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. They killed that car in that jump. They you know? did. They did. The car yeah. took that nosedive, and it smashed into the ground, mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, yeah. Hey, Dad, you must have jumped 50 yards with that. Uh-huh, and I believe that was actually the accurate number. I believe yeah. that in the trivia that was actually – and they had to go through, I think, several cars, and they had to match the damage along each scene because you know, each time he would go off the road, he would cause more damage. Yep. So they had to use probably, I'd say, 10 cars maybe that well, looked just like that. And that was another thing was that I noticed it when they <laughs> after they had the car fixed – you know, mm-hmm. Clark goes off on that whole spree to find the guys, and you know, they they have the car towed, and it it starts getting fixed. As he's uh-huh. leaving, the car has these wobbling tires on it, oh, and it's I basically it. I'm I like, okay. It. But later on, a- after they get to the Grand Canyon, and they're driving around, the cars don't have the wobbling. The car doesn't have the wobbling no. tires anymore. So I'm kind of yeah. like, did they get that but- fixed somewhere? Yeah, the implication is that, yeah, it, it was just like that for comedic value, and then eventually it just kind of fixed itself. But, yeah, that's it's a little plot hole, a little one. You know, it, it's continuity, I know, but, you know, it, it bugged yeah, me. It bugged me a little bit, too. Yeah, even but, as a kid, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but they, they get scammed out of all their cash. They they finally do stop the Grand Canyon, and this is mm-hmm. after they've lost uh, the credit cards, and the guy won't take, you know, James Daly's character won't take the credit card won't take check because he doesn't have a major credit card that's valid yes all that and of course what does clark do he slams his hand down the cash register pops open he leaves the check takes the cash steals the cash they run out and they're going you know they're oh honey come look at the grand canyon he starts doing that bounce he's like okay let's go let's get out of here two seconds i think they counted he actually looked up for two whole seconds and then they (laughs) yeah Yeah. but you know what i'm talking about with the bounce he did it there too yeah. It's awesome. It was so brilliant. You know, and yep. of course, you know, where's Aunt Edna? Oh, she's already in the car. And they get out there and they're starting to drive away. Oh, Aunt Edna's asleep, you know. Uh, and this is where it starts with Aunt Edna. You know, yeah. the whole thing. They get oh. pulled over on the side of the road. No, she's, you know, she's not asleep. I think she's dead. What? Yep. You know, and of course, I find that funny because she, you know, basically she must have just died because she's still flopping around. She hasn't stiffened up at all. No. I'm like, yeah, she must have just died. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course they pull over the side of the road and they're trying to figure out what to do with her. One of my favorite lines comes up. What do we do with Aunt Edna? <laughs> well, we could just leave her here, you know, call Normie. Yeah. And Rusty speaks up. Yeah, you shouldn't have any problem finding her. You just have to look for the buzzards. <laughs> yes. I just, oh, God. In that situation, what would you do? I would have done the exact same thing. Well, what she can't be, them? she can't be more than what, 80 pounds? We'll just yeah. strap her to the roof. Exactly. Well, what do you want me to do? Strap her to the hood of the car? Oh, good. It's not like it's going to rain or anything. And then it rains. <laughs> it's pouring rain in Phoenix of all places. I know. I know. I, I, and that was totally – they actually had – you know, that was deliberate. But they said in, in the trivia that um, it actually did rain that night, but they had been prepared that it wasn't going to. So when they shot that scene, they had buckets of water ready to pour down and they said that it was just such a it was crazy they had been like on take 20 and it started raining and it was like oh how funny is this 
Like, so thank God. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, yeah, in Phoenix, yeah, of all, you know. Um, and, and, of course, what happens when they leave? They 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 get there to Phoenix and they get to Normie's house. They find out that he's gone and he won't, he went to Flagstaff and he'll be back in three days. Yeah, come on, you know. You know, yeah. Well, Normie was avoiding him. He didn't want to deal with Aunt Edna either. So uh, it's just yeah, one thing after another, and it just oh, it was so it was pulled off so brilliantly. Oh yeah, you know, and basically from this point here, it kind of goes. Everything is kind of going on to this whole crazed, you know, Clark starts getting a little crazed with this family yes, vacation. Yes, he does. You yes. know, because right after this, it's my favorite line out of the movie and yours. He has that kind of breakdown and like he goes, you see that <laughs> twinkle of crazy in his eye. Yeah. And he starts screaming out at them, you know, I think you're all fucked in the head. We're 10 hours from the fucking fun park and you want to bail out. Hello. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. Yep. You're going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun. We're going to need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn smiles. You'll be whistling zippity doo out of your assholes. I must be crazy. Hallelujah. I want a pilgrimage to see a moose. Praise Marty Moose. Holy shit. <laughs> And you know what I noticed about that, too? It's looking, you know, when I was preparing for this, after that freak out, you know, Rusty's the one that says, are you okay, Dad? You want an aspirin or something? And don't I think the same me. thing. Don't touch me. And I think the same thing happened in Christmas vacation. He had a freak out. And then didn't Rusty say, Dad, are you okay? Do you want a, Do you want an aspirin? I think the same bit happened when he had his freak out after not getting his raise yes in christmas vacation am i right yes he had the same similar free and then rusty was the one to say dad you need an aspirin <laughs> yeah so, oh, again just... being the being kind of like ellen being kind of calm and level-headed and trying to bring clark down but that was the bet my favorite scene yeah By now they do finally make it to wally world and mm -hmm. now when they get there it's they're, they're driving up and they're getting there and it's kind of like, okay, this is going to be great. And you see them pulling into the parking lot and gee, there's nobody else going into Wally World. Yes. Clue and number one, right? Nobody else there. Yes. Kind of like, huh. Even at six, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's you start scratching your head. Well, when they get there, they find out. They walk up to the park and they find out that. The park is closed for repairs for two weeks. Oh. And this is where Clark kind of just falls off. The, you know, it. Yeah, he just kind of goes completely crazy. Uh, oh. He pulls into a gas station, says, check the odometer reading, honey. I'm going to go get some sporting goods. <laughs> sporting goods? Okay. Yes. Runs over. He gets a BB gun and he shows back up. Oh. It's, it's the Magnum P.I. Mm -hmm. I love it. You know, because he buys that BB gun pistol, he takes the he takes uh, John he takes John Candy's character hostage. Uh, another he, another security guard comes out and he basically does the whole dog thing: sit, lie down, roll over. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, uh, the kids follow him. They go through all the rides as he's going just completely crazy. Oh. You know, and they're all. That was the other thing that bothered me about this is that it's all of them getting onto the rides. There's how are the rides being operated? Because you don't yeah. see anybody at the ride operation, uh -huh, uh -huh. and the park is obviously empty, and they're doing repairs on all these rides. So yeah, 
It was a little plot hole. Yeah. You know, but again, it is what it is because obviously they're trying to make the movie. But yep. You know, so they get all through this here. The SWAT team shows up saying that this guy is crazy. They start to arrest him. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie Bracken's character, Roy Wally, shows up and, you know, he's kind of like, what the hell's going on here? And, you know, he finally just says, well, you know, we took a family vacation. We traveled two weeks, you know, we've been traveling two weeks to get out here, spend our time here, you know. And he kind of does the whole thing of, well, you know, what if you'd gone down to Florida? You know, have you ever taken a car trip? Oh, yes, took two weeks and took the entire gang down to Florida. Horrible smell coming from the back seat. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Well, what I if thought they that closed... was very well done. A little over the top and a little overacted a little bit, but Chevy yeah. Chase overacted in so many scenes, but it was it was brilliant for the character that he played. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think even I saw an interview once with Chevy Chase, and he actually said, I so overacted in this movie, but it worked. <laughs> you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where you can – you can get away with it in certain roles, and this is one of them. Oh, absolutely. And you he know. pulls off brilliantly, yes. You know. But the whole thing, he actually does get to go to Wally World. They do get to go on a lot of the rides. And you do see, mm-hmm. uh, at the very end, numerous photographs of them going around on their vacation. You see them on rides there at, uh-huh. you know, at Wally World. You see shots from when they went through um, Dodge City, and you see – that they met up with the guys when they had their car fixed with Aunt Edna yep. and everybody. You know, in the very last picture, you do see them. They're all wearing Wally, you know, Wally World hats with these giant antlers on I them. I love it, yeah. And they're on a plane, so it's kind of like, fine, they finally got rid of the goddamn family truckster. Uh-huh, exactly, and I, I love that, too, that it, it wasn't mentioned in the movie, but in the in the after credits that they do show, you know, they do see him on a plane heading home with the hats. That was yeah. great. Yep. Love it. Now, a couple of the trivia things that I did find out. Uh-huh. Uh, when they did do this film, uh, the, the, obviously they were, they were going to Wally World. Uh, uh-huh. the, the, in John Hughes' original story, it was Disneyland. Uh, uh-huh. They had to change all the names. They kind of altered it to sound like Disneyland became Wally World. Mm-hmm. Uh, name of the mascot, Marty Moose, is reminiscent of D- Disney's Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And the Marty Moose theme song is really kind of a, a spoof on... The Mickey Mouse uh, oh, yes. theme song. Mickey Mouse Club theme song. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and again, we do see Roy Wally who shows up, and he's kind of the mix of both Walt and Roy Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have that. Also, the big thing for me that I picked up on, and it's because I am, you know, I, I used to be a coaster, you know, coaster nut when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wally World, it's actually filmed in two different places. Uh, when they are driving up into the scene where they're driving up under the bridge and you see the big yeah. sign of Wally World and it's supposed to be showing uh-huh. all the rides behind it, that's yep. actually an overlay. It's, it is actually the front of Santa Anita Park. That's uh, right. Where the horse racing yes. is. And that's yes. going under the tunnel to go into Santa Anita. Well, they put this big display up to cover it and it's a painting. It's like a big painting. Yeah, I was going to yes. say it's a painting, right? Yep. yep. But it looks like the hills and it looks like you see all the rides back there and everything. Yep. Uh, what it was when they went on the actual rides, that was actually done at Six Flags Magic Mountain up yes, in Valencia. It was. Yes, it uh, was. The you know, and that was kind of one of the things that I picked up on because they had Revolution, which uh-huh. I forget what they called it in the film. They um, called it Screamy Mimi. Well, no, Screamy Mimi was Colossus. That's um, the big uh, oh, double track okay. roller coaster. Uh, Whippersnapper. That might have been it. It I might th- have been Whippersnapper. 
Yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, and I remember them riding around. Like one of the first rides they're on, you see them riding around on these little bikes. Yes. That's all been torn out since this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that and free fall, a lot of the rides there, you know, unfortunately – they have pulled a lot of stuff out to put in other rides there, and it does not look anything like it like it no. did in the film. No. Uh, one of the few things that you do see that's still there at uh, Six Flags, they did have in the film, and you can see it as they're going up on Revolution in the background. Mm-hmm. There is a there's an observation tower, yep. a big bright orange observation tower that you see in kind of one of the shots. Yep. I have to say that that thing, that observation tower, scares the crap out of me more than any other ride there. Oh. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing with it is that you go up in the observation tower and you can actually feel it swaying in the wind. That's right. It's okay. been a long time. And yeah. when you're walking around there, the floor is mesh. It's mm-hmm. grating. And yeah. so basically, as you're standing there, you mm-hmm. can look straight down through the tower to see the ground uh-huh. below you. Uh-huh. I, I, I was like, I was up there and I'm looking around, I'm looking out and I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. And then I'm like, oh shit, I need to get down because I can start, <laughs> I'm there and I'm feeling the tower swaying and I'm like, I need uh-huh. to get out. I need to get down. So I'm like going to go down in the elevator. And as mm-hmm. I'm looking, you know, as I'm going to go down, I'm looking down and can see through the grate to go down all oh. the way down. And it's like 150 feet. Oh man. And I'm it's just like, done that. I ended up oh. having to crawl into the escalate to the to the elevator oh. to go down, and the people were like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "I will be once I get down." Once I was in the elevator yeah. because it was all closed off, I couldn't see the ground. I'm like, mm. "I'm fine now," and I stood up. Everything was good, but, but freaked you out. Oh. that you know, and, and I don't you know, I don't have like huge fear of heights or anything because yeah. I can go to the roller coasters, I can look out, I can look down, I feel fine. Yeah. It was standing in that damn tower and looking straight down. It was like, oh, no, no. Oh, my God. And it was just because I, vertigo type of thing, you know? Oh, big time. And I, I have been on that, but I don't remember. And I'm glad I don't. But uh, what scares me is I love roller coasters, but I don't like the ones. Is it Revolution that doesn't have the edge where you just see it? You're just on the track and there's no edge around it. The white yeah. loop. Yeah. Oh God, that scares the holy bejesus out of me when there's no sides and you're just looking out and you just it, there's nothing. You know, it's just like oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, that scene was great, and I even had to question that too. Like, who the heck is operating the ride? That's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, that was it was great. Now, another little bit of trivia here that I found out: that car, mm-hmm. the, the the wagon queen family truckster, uh-huh. uh, it was actually designed by a very famous movie custom car designer uh, guy really? by the name of george barris now oh. i'm sure you've probably heard the name uh george barris his uh his car crew basically because i'll be honest there's a lot of stuff a lot of people have said oh george barris did this george barris did that george uh-huh. barris didn't have the time to do half the cars that he's credited with doing it was actually a lot oh, really? of his a lot of his friends that were doing the design work for it and they oh. you know george barris just took the credit for it Oh really? Uh, what it was is that he he did uh, the Munster's Dragula car. So if you see that car that looks like a big yeah! coffin car, that yeah! was designed by the George Barris uh, crew. Uh, the 1960s Batmobile, that classic black with the orange and the jet Love engine it. in the back. Yeah. Uh, George Barris also designed the Bat uh, the uh, Monkey Mobile, which is mm-hmm. that very iconic look. Uh, yeah. 
but yeah, he had a lot of this stuff, and, and he was the one who, you know, their their crew was the one that designed the family truckster. I'll be darned. And you know, they basically, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, they they basically ripped on it. And if you ever saw any of the cars out of the nineteen seventies, they all had that oh. fake wood paneling, the country squire yes. look. Oh, it was so overdone. Oh. You know, the excessive yes. amount of wood paneling, the the pea green paint scheme oh. on that sucker. Oh, uh, God. You know, just, it was Idiot. absolutely awful. But basically what they did, they took and they put eight headlights on the car. They had four on each side. Yeah. The yeah. one was like up underneath the other. It was it was just absolutely goofy. <laughs> uh, you know, just absolutely hideous. And then, of course, they had the airbag that went off. The airbag was the – it was a trash uh, bag. Trash bag. Now, was that how that actually was or was that just meant to be a joke? Because I, oh. I don't – that was meant to be a joke. I mean, the, I thought so. You know. I was like, "That's not right." And I, I remember seeing something on trivia too that they actually, to save on budget, it's actually the same when it, when each time the airbag deployed in the movie, it was actually the same bag. They wanted to keep the same bag to save on budget. Oh, I was God. like, "Huh, that's interesting." <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, th- that car was just—it was a piece of crap, and it had so many oh. weird things going on with it. The the oh, fuel totally. filler up by the passenger side, up by the front. Yeah. You know, that was just. Kind of bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, you know the the fact that when he brings it home and he he turns it off and he's sitting there in the driveway and the car is still rattling and knocking after they get done. <laughs> Piece you <know>. of shit. <laughs> uh, and and the brittle window glass when they go to when they bring the food and you know, uh-huh. he holds it and he goes oh yeah here we go kids it's gonna be great and he goes to put it on the window and he, he tells the waitress <laughs> he goes oh I'll get it new car. <laughs> crash although wait a second though in his defense wasn't he supposed to have the window all the way down to set that on the actual like car door i believe so yeah so it was his dumbass fault for having the window partially up and putting it on it but still yeah the window should not have cracked like that (laughs) but oh god now much about this movie that scene there were some scenes which you see (laughs) that have actually that were ripped straight from national lampoon's vacation uh, that had been seen on a weekly basis on a Fox television show back in back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, you might have heard of it. it. had Peg Bundy, Al Bundy. Oh, Married with Children. Yeah. yeah the the really? clip where you see the truckster merging from an on-ramp onto the freeway. Uh-huh. Uh, that actually shows up in the opening credits of the film or of the TV series. You're right. That's right. So that was one of those that was one of those little things that I picked up on. And I happened to catch, and I'm like, "Oh, I got to mention this." That's cool. So again, when we start talking about how these how this film influenced so many people and so many pop culture references with it, totally. You know, there's there's just so much. Uh, <laughs> I I know Fairly Odd Parents had an episode of Fairly Odd Parents where they're driving around. And you see the kids all getting into the car. You know, you see mm-hmm. Timmy getting into the car, and it's a big green station wagon with wood paneling on it oh wow. very reminiscent of the family truckster yes you know i mean anybody who takes a vacation you're now going to see these green family trucksters going oh, along so god awful ugly yeah <laughs> you know oh my gosh so i mean there, there's a lot of stuff with this and you know just i don't know i i, I love this film i love this film me too. and me too. again like i said it really holds up to the test of time it does. You know, we're all going to remember. We're, you know, our kids are going to have road trips that they're going to take, and they're going to be like, "Oh my god!" And they're going to flash back to this movie, even mm-hmm. though the outfits are dated. Where you can go doesn't exist. You know, the the fact that they're going on road trips a lot, 
they're going to remember stuff like this. And a lot of the stuff that they encountered, you wouldn't mm-hmm. encounter anymore. No. You know, the pay phones, them singing horrible songs in the car, you mm-hmm. know, for hours on end because the radio stations were different. Now you got an iPod that you plug in. Exactly. But, you know, you're going to experience these things no matter what if you take a road trip with your family. Mm-hmm. And I think really that that's something that people need to do more often, if for nothing else, they to really realize do. how much they hate their family. <laughs> yeah. You know, that might, unfortunately, might be the end result of it afterward. But yeah, it's, um, you know, I just went to Boston this past weekend and we drove up there. And granted, it's only a two hour drive each way. But I have a three year old, a five year old, and an 11 year old. And they all have special needs. And the two youngest are most recently potty trained. And it was hell. And, you know, it's two hours. You know, but it's just like, oh, my God, we're stopping every 15 minutes. You know, yes. there's there's adventures every step of the way. And oh. it, once we got to Boston, you know, a lot of it, it's a historical city. It's a very crowded city. It's a very hot and muggy city in the summer. And, you know, it, that's all part of the experience. We just, my husband and I just try to just bite our tongue and just kind of proceed. Yep. But it's no matter what, it's, you know, we love our family and it's great. And, and ultimately, we just try to not lose sight of the fact that, okay, we're here together. We're having a good time, but we wanted to kill each other by the end of it. It was just like, oh, God. You were on a so, quest for fun, weren't you? I was you? on a quest for fun. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was determined, okay, we're going to go and we're going to see this. And the, you kids are not going to understand the history behind it, but you're going to have fun. So that, Sit know, there, shut up, and smile. Sit there and shut up. And they did pretty well, but it was just the heat and then all. It's a walking city, so you walk everywhere. Oh, and, the, and there's so many... People are rude and, you know, people can be, you know, blunt and people can be kind of in your face and it's just very, very crowded and they weren't used to it and they complained and, you know, you just have to smile your way through it. And I think everybody can identify with the basic theme of this movie. You know, it's you love your family. You want ultimately you want to bond with them and have a good experience. And but at the same time, you can't ignore that there's going to be hiccups along the way. And that's just life. You know, that's just life. And even holidays, there's hiccups on holidays. There's, you don't even have to leave your house. Shit happens, and you yep. have to just kind of smile and band together. And that's, I think, that in, like you said, it's a timeless movie. It's a timeless message, and that's, that's what I take from it is family is what's most important, and you can't lose sight of that. Yeah. Even, if they, if, even if you want to kill them by the end, you know, yeah. it's, you, know, you have to appreciate all the little things and all those hiccups because, and what they actually ultimately mean and what they stand for. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I know that this movie here, it really solidified. For me, I when I was 15, I remember taking a road trip with my grandmother who passed away earlier this year. And I'm going to tell this story because it's hilarious. My grandmother, she's no longer with us, so she can't listen to this and bitch at me about this. <laughs> You know, and I'm going to share this so people, hopefully you laugh at this. Even if you don't hear anything else about the podcast, please listen to this and remember my grandmother. Uh, We were driving back from Oregon, from Portland, Oregon to San Diego. Mm -hmm. It's like a 22-hour drive. Okay. It's, you know, especially that we did it in the wintertime. Coming Mm -hmm. from Portland to uh, California took us, you know, eight hours because we had to stop for snow. We had to chain up and driving 20 miles an hour. Very carefully. My grandmother, we stop at a rest area on the way down, mm-hmm. and this guy cuts her off and, like, just opens the car door, and my grandmother was pissed off because this guy had cut her off, and then he starts getting in her face and starts yelling at her for her way that she was driving that she'd pulled in, and my grandmother says, 
you almost hit me, you... She goes, I have my grandson in the car. You almost hit me, you goddamn pecker face. Oh, my God. That was the start of it. And, of course, I'm sitting there in the car next to my grandmother. And my grandmother... My grandmother was a former Marine, okay? So she had this U.S. Marine Corps attitude of, you know, boom, 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 boom. This is the way it's going to be. And just this attitude. When she got her... You know... She was a volatile old woman when it came to stuff like this, and she was very protective of me, of her, of her family, of her grandkids, you know. Yeah. So when she started off on that, I'm like, oh shit! And I I wanted to laugh. Now, problem with this is that if I had laughed, my grandmother would have instantly turned to me, smacked me upside the head, and said, "What are you laughing at? It's not funny. That's a goddamn yeah. pecker face over there who almost hit us." Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I just kind of shut up and was like, okay. You know, and then, of course, later on in the car, I start laughing, and my grandmother goes, what are you laughing about? And my grandmother had cooled down. And I says, Grandma, I've never heard that term before, but I'm going to remember it. <laughs> so I remember that. That and then the fact that my grandmother wanted beef jerky for the drive down. Yeah. I'm cool with beef jerky. Unfortunately, <laughs> beef jerky did not agree with my grandmother's system or mine. So we're driving down and all of a sudden, you know, we noticed this. We knew it was the beef jerky because we hadn't eaten anything else throughout the day. We start munching on the beef jerky and all of a sudden, you know, the green cloud starts coming out. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden she looks at me and she goes, oh, my God, what is that smell? And she looks at me and, of course, I I let one go. So – I start, you know, and she goes, oh, my God. She goes, is something wrong with the car? I start rolling down the window. I start laughing. Oh, God. I start laughing. And she goes, hey, did you fart? Oh, my God. What is wrong with you? Roll down the damn window. So we're driving for 30 miles with both windows down. To get uh, fresh air coming into the car because it's so bad. Oh, God. And then, and then I stop farting and all of a sudden I, I start smelling something and I know it's not me. And she looks over at me and she goes, oh, sorry. I'm like, oh, my God, Grandma. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So, yeah, these are the uh, things that you will remember about road trips and vacations. Oh, exactly. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, too funny. But yeah, now oh. now anybody who's listening to the podcast will be hearing this and going when they get cut off by somebody, they won't be using the asshole or flip the finger. They'll just be calling him a goddamn pecker face from now on. I love it. I love it. That's a new term. <laughs> I've never heard that before. So <laughs> hey, I, I Very you know, cool. bless my grandmother for giving Courtesy me that. Your grandma. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And you know what? If I use it, I will think of your grandma. That's awesome. <laughs> Everybody will. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Do you have any more trivia? Because I have a bunch. Oh, go ahead. Run off with the trivia. Okay, I know you've got a bunch okay. more. Okay. And then this is stuff I've picked up on over the years because, you know, I'm a huge fan and I've seen it hundreds of times. But uh, I want to say first thing, the sheriff in the Kansas bar scene or the, the bar restaurant scene when they go and there's that cheesy sheriff that comes and greets them. You know who that is? His name is Randy Dreyfus. That's Richard Dreyfus's brother. I did not know oh that. Oh, my God. Okay, because I saw that in the credits, and I thought, I wonder if uh-huh. he's related. Nah, it can't uh-huh. be. Uh-huh. His name is Rand- Randy Dreyfus. Um, just a little bit of trivia. I-, I know he's done other things under a different name, but that was um, also the guy at the campsite, that Camp Comfort with the god-awful smelly tents. Right. Uh, with Aunt Edna. That, uh, the lodge. Brian Doyle Murray. Whatever. 
Yes, that is Bill Murray's older brother. Holy crap, no wonder he looks so familiar. Uh, yeah, he looks just like him. And once I found that out, I'm like, he looks an awful lot like Bill Murray. I'll be damned. Um, so that is Bill Murray's older brother, um, which is kind of cool. And then if you notice throughout the scenes of the movie, because they filmed it out of sequence, um, apparently at the beginning of the movie, you, you kind of notice how short Anthony Michael Hall is. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie progresses, towards the end of the movie, you see that he is huge. He took a huge growth spurt during the filming of this. And so, at, and so at the end of the movie, when they're at the, at Wally world, he's like, he like towers over Beverly D'Angelo. And at the beginning, he was like at her height or below that. Right. Uh, but it was one of those things that I, I kind of picked up on, but then they actually addressed it in the commentary of the DVD. And I'm like, holy shit. You can see throughout the movie how he's different heights. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I think they said that he grew like six inches or something in the course of that. Jesus. Holy crap. Uh, but it's really, really apparent. If you, if you look at the beginning scene with him with Chevy Chase and you see how short he is. And then at the end at Wally World, it's just like, whoa. I remember thinking because I remember thinking when I, when I saw the end, he's like this long-legged, lanky kid who's running and he's yes. racing him. Yes. You know, and then you see him and I thought, ah, oh, that can't be the same. Yes, he puberty hit, and he took a huge growth spurt. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then the uh, girl, when they went to uh, Catherine and Eddie's, one mm-hmm. of the daughters, the one that didn't have a tongue, Daisy mm-hmm. Mabel, that is actually um, the director's daughter in real life. Oh. Uh-huh, Harold Ramis's daughter. And uh, he was talking very fondly about her in the, in the commentary that, you know, she's, she was 20-something, late 20s, and just had a baby of her own or whatever. And he was talking very fondly of it, that it was something he'll always remember and cherish because that was his first, I think it was his second movie that he had directed. Um, he was a newbie director, and he wanted to put his daughter in that. And that's, I thought, like, that's, so, that's so sweet. And when you look at oh. her, she does look like him. Now that you uh, mention it, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let me see what else, what other trivia do I have? Oh, um, in every Christy Brinkley scene, she's wearing white. Just a little fashion thing I notice every single scene she is in. Yeah. Every time she's in the car, every time, you know, when, they ha- when she does have her dialogue scene with him, every scene she's wearing white. So I don't know if that's her favorite color or if because she's blonde and tan, that just maybe white just sets off her blue eyes and blonde hair. Even when she uh, stripped down, she was still yes. wearing a little bit of white. So, yes, and she actually requested you know, because she was a lingerie model at that point. Um, so she was wearing her lingerie and it was white and everything. And, and she, they had talked about her being nude. Um, and she was kind of like, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, this is my first time on camera, you know, on the, right. in the I don't want to do that, but I do want to wear white. So that was something that that was stipulated beforehand that every scene she's wearing white, which I thought was kind of interesting because it is a good color for her. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, it, it definitely really showed off and accented everything for her. It really did. But I thought that was interesting. I pay attention to outfits and colors and things like that because I'm a chick, you know. Um, but that is something. And then also, um, just like with Christmas Vacation, I referenced it earlier. Um, there was a scene also in that Kansas bar or whatever where uh, Clark is kind of heckling the guy, the bartender, to get a yes. drink or whatever. And then he goes and like pretends shoots him. And Audrey, you know, is like hard of hearing. She's wiggling her ear. She can't hear or whatever. It hurt, you know, the, the blast hurt her ear. Right. And I, I love how, you know, he, Clark, you know, Ellen's like, are you happy now? And she's deaf. You know, good for you. Good job. And Clark is like, oh, whatever. Let's just have a drink, you know. And he just kind of blows it off. The same, a similar shtick happened in Christmas Vacation when they were going in the snow, you know, knee deep in the snow to go get the Christmas tree. Um, 
and they go and they find the perfect tree and it's like 50 feet tall or whatever. And mm -hmm. by this point, you know, Audrey's bitching and moaning. Oh God, it's so fucking cold. Do we have to do this? Let's just go to a Christmas tree lot, whatever. And then you see it pans in on her and her eye and her face is frozen. And once again, Ellen's looking at Clark and going, you know, she'll see the tree later, Clark. Her eye, you know, her eyelids are frozen. And Clark <laughs> is like, and Clark, and Clark is I'm like, happy oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. I, I got my tree. That's all I care about. But it's, it's and I don't know. I, I've only seen the European vacation once and Vegas vacation once. So I don't know if this is a common shtick that goes through all the vacation movies. But he just kind of blows Audrey off, forgets her name. You know, it's like, oh, whatever. She's fine. You know. Well, I know that that was something that uh, with, with forgetting the name is that that's something that actually happened when he's sitting there on the rock and he's talking to Rusty about being the man uh -huh. of everything. And uh -huh. he goes, you know, I spent the last 15 years of my life developing newer and better food additives. Uh -huh. I guess I missed an awful lot. At first, I didn't really want to take this vacation, but now I'm glad I did. It's given me a chance to spend more time with you and... Uh, um, What's her name? Audrey. Audrey, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. That's right. But, you know, it's just one of those funny things that, at least in those two movies that I'm aware of, he just kind of blows her off. Oh, and then Ellen's the one that's pointing it out. You know, she's deaf, Clark. You know, yeah. She'll see it later. She's blind. Her eyelids are frozen. You know, it's just kind of a little, it's one of those little bits of comedy that's very understated and very oh, sarcastic, yeah. and you just, you, you, could, you could miss it. But I'm very tuned into that, and it just, they both, you know, Clark and Ellen, the characters, they just meshed so well they oh were yeah they did opposites but they meshed so well and the last bit of trivia that i have is in the beginning uh, i want to say it was the, at the hotel scene um after she's taken the shower after the whole shower scene and she comes mm -hmm. out wearing like a pink or, or a salmon colored nightshirt uh-huh you see her standing in front of the mirror brushing her hair and she doesn't button her shirt right. but then in the next scene she's in the bed with clark and it's it's buttoned completely all the way down yeah, so, one of those continuity issues. Continuity, continuity, and I even noticed it when I was a kid, and it bugged me. I'm like, dude, when did she button her freaking shirt? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was obviously filmed a couple of times, honey, you know, but yeah. I, continuity kind of bugs me, and that was one of those that still kind of bugs me. It's like, it wasn't buttoned, and now it's buttoned all the way down. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to think, was there anything with, you know, John Hughes has the trademark of, you know, the license plates meaning something or, you know, sound effects. I didn't really catch a lot of that in this movie. I didn't I, either. I, um, I know that Christy Brinkley's Ferrari had the license plate Love Me, which I thought was kind of cute. Um, but that isn't really indicative of anything. And then the only sound effect that I can think of was when they were, when they, when they were at Catherine and Eddie's and they're having the barbecue before Aunt Edna comes out. And then they get told that they're going to be driving her back to Phoenix and then his burger splats. Yes. I can't, that's the only sound effect I can think of in this movie. Yeah. I know there's, there's a soundtrack and there's music in the background, kind of cheesy, you know, road trip kind of music. Oh, yeah. but, but is there any other sound effects? I can't think of any. Not any big ones that I can think of. Not like, no. you know, not like the, the boing for the boobs in, in 16 yeah. Camels or anything like that. But And I was looking for it because I know, you know, that's kind of a John Hughes trademark, but I think he wrote the screenplay, but he didn't direct it, though. So maybe that's... Could be. Maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I love how, this movie to me is funny. And it's, like I said, in certain parts, it's ha-ha funny, but it's just not, it's not, it's, it's very sarcastically funny, I would have oh, to yeah. say. Very, very uh, yeah, you, ha you really have to be paying attention to get all of the subtle, subtly funny subtly funny yes but yeah that was the only sound effect i picked up on and i was kind of bummed about that but i you know i love this movie and i cannot think of any other uh, trivia um right off the bat but um 
excellent movie. And everybody, and you can, like you said, it's timeless. You can see it over and over and over again and catch new things. And it's always going to be one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, you know, 25, 30 years later, people are still going to remember. Oh, God. I can't believe it's been 30 years. Yeah. Well, and, and Chevy Chase has gone from that dark-haired, you know, goofy-looking guy to that goofy-looking white-haired old gentleman. Yeah, yeah, but you, he's so. still recognizable. He's aged well enough to where you can still recognize him, and he's still working, and he's still, you know. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen fairly recent pictures of Beverly D'Angelo, and she's still a beautiful woman, you know. Not Probably. one that I would necessarily chase, but No, you know, hey. but – but she's aged fairly well. Yes. Um, had some kids with Al Pacino, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, you know, very good for her. I don't know if she's still acting, but just, you know. She is, but she's doing a lot more voiceover type stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Because I hear a lot of voice actors who say that they like doing it because they can show up and be, you know, dressed however they want. Yeah. It doesn't it really matter, you know. It, it's just yeah. kind of like they don't have to, you know, they don't have to shave for this morning for you know a public appearance or something like that or fit into a certain suit it's just kind of like hey show up and here's your voice yeah and she can be there for her kids because her kids are relatively young um you know so good for her but yeah I, i love this movie and i'm glad that everyone in it has gone off to do you know pretty memorable things oh yeah so i think that pretty much wraps it up for us here Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll wrap up this episode of talking about my generation. I do want to ask people, please leave your feedback on iTunes for us. Uh, if you have joined us from there, uh, you can also send us a tweet. I am at S P R Z O U T. And you have yours, Eva. Uh-huh. I am at mommy of three C girls. Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at my generation podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation, or you can visit our webpage at mygenerationpodcast.com. Uh, I do want to thank you guys for listening to the show here, and we're going to go ahead and sign off with the song that went throughout the movie, uh, Holiday Road. Yeah.